You're listening to The Cynic Weekly. If you enjoy our weekly podcast, you might be interested in finding out how to access even more Cynic content. By signing up for a full Cynic subscription at thecynic.co, you'll have access to Celtic-related podcasts throughout the week. For a monthly fee, you get access to a range of podcasts covering your favourite football club. We cover a range of topics from news and current events to the history of the club, analysis of games, player profiles, coverage of the women's team, quizzes and much more. We have our own app or you can download your private RSS link to podcast players. You can also access content via our website so you can listen in the way that works for you. To find out more, visit thecynic.co or email info at thecynic.co. We pride ourselves in being an independent platform. You won't be bothered by any outside advertising or folk trying to sell you stuff and you can cancel your subscription at any time. Thank you so much for listening to and supporting The Cynic. Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly on Thursday the 10th of November 2022. I'm your host Christopher Gallagher and we're going to be talking about all things Celtic uh, and I am joined by Christopher Samani. Hello Christopher. Good evening Chris, uh, how are you? Not too, <laughs> not too bad, how are you? Just smashing. Lovely stuff. Uh, Alan Edgar's also here. Just makes it awkward doesn't he? Just every single time. Chris, nice to see you. How's the form? Aye, not too bad, my man. Not too bad. Uh, but yeah, good to have you both here. Um, we're going to talk about plenty of Celtic things. But um, just how are, how are you? What been up to much, Alan? You've been, you know, let's uh, let's go around to houses. How's things? I'm convinced you asked me that every week to put me in a spot. Every time. I'm I'm very good. I'm disappointed that the club football is coming to an end very quickly, but also trying to take the positives out of it. But all all good. Um, all is good out with Celtic. Good stuff. Samana yourself. Go oh, terrific. <laughs> Why I don't know what you expect to get. <laughs> something. How are you? But how are you in yourself? Aye, how, you know? how, how are you doing really? Aye. Uh, are you looking forward to the World Cup some money? <laughs> Actually, on a serious note, no. It's going to be crap, man. Totally. I, I, I genuinely think World Cup in the winter. Come on, man. I agree, yeah. I'm just, it's not going to be for me. Alan, uh, how you feel like a bit of a scab? Because I've been very much in the same boat. But I do now find myself a wee bit thinking, mm, there's not really anything that it's not really competing with anything big on TV, is it? I know I'm going to, I, I know I'm going to break the lines and and watch quite a bit of it actually. I think most people will. Um, I'm just being honest about it, but I do vehemently disagree with it. But I'm also a huge hypocrite. No, it's quite clear. Even so. even putting aside all the ethical issues with Qatar hosting it, it's in the, the winter. The World Cup's normally crap. You get excited for it, <laughs> then you watch it, and it's not very good fun. It's, so, just, uh, it's a lot of not very good football games. So the cynic feature, World Cup, uh, Celtic, uh, I, I won't put you down for that then, no? No, you're all right, mate. Not for me. <laughs> not okay. for me. Jesus. Um, Give me a Conference League clash any day over this World Cup nonsense. Right, well, there you go. Um, but the World Cup, with the World Cup starting, uh, we probably will be putting out maybe a feature or two over the next couple of weeks um, because there's not going to be a lot of Celtic content. Um, although we do have the, the tour of Australia that we, we can, we're going to briefly talk about. Um, actually, do you know what? Let's talk about it now um, because what do you mean? We've, we've talked about it briefly, but obviously Steve Clark came out with a, a lot of uh, interesting comments. Alan, 
what's your thoughts on the tour of Australia? Ange Postecoglou said it's really important to the club and it's really important to the supporters. Is it important to you? Well, not really as somebody that gets to see Celtic twice a week, you know, for eight months of the year, but it is something that they committed to a while ago. I think there is pro- there's probably a lot of people looking forward to it. Um, you know, I, I know quite a few folk that will be delighted that Celtic are going there. Granted, it's not competitive games, but, you know, a chance to see Ange, to see Celtic. They committed to it a long time ago before, as well, Scotland had... I think even arranged this fixture. It's not in a yeah, before Scotland had even fucked it with the World Cup. So <laughs> yeah, but you could have probably <laughs> you could have seen that one coming. Oh, you set your watch for um, that. Man. Yeah, absolutely. So no, look, it is you've, you've got fixtures. I think they'll use it as a kind of winter training camp as well. So it's kind of that rolled into it. So I do think it's fairly reasonable that in a you know it's not a designated um, international match date that you don't need to release your players. So, you know, why would... I thought, to be honest, I thought Angie's response was pretty spot on, you know. Look, he'll be disappointed because he's a national manager, but I'm disappointed as a club manager. I don't think there was much drama. And yeah, I, I thought it was fine, but I'd much rather they go away and train with the club because it's still during the season. We will be coming back to huge fixtures pre-Christmas, so it is important the players keep ticking over and maybe get a bit of a break. I don't really want them going away and playing a complete non-entity with Scotland. If they're playing a non-entity match, I'd rather it be in a, a Celtic jersey. Uh, <clears throat> just a quote from Steve Clark. The baseline is it's not an official international window. I don't know why, because there is a World Cup going on. It's because you didn't qualify for it, you fucking idiot. That sounds pay, uh, pretty official to me. Uh, the clubs don't have to release their players and Celtic have chosen not to for this game. I'm disappointed, but I have to take it on the chin. And it's just, take it on the chin. Fucking Tony Mowbray <laughs> part right there. Um, uh, see, uh, do, do you think the players will be upset? Will there be a part of them that will be like, oh, I, because... You know, he's made. He's kind of alluded to that he might have played some of them, but then that's just typical management style, isn't it? I I don't really pay attention to things Steve Clark says anyway. But in this, it's an absolute nonsense. Is there some players who might have liked the chance to pick up a Scotland cap? Maybe, you know. But we're second guessing in that. I totally agree with Alan. You know, not too many of our squad are going to the World Cup, rightly or wrongly. Um, so that's it's this is almost like a, a winter you know, training break. I'm assuming it's gonna be warm in Australia. <laughs> Relax. It's, it's the summer down there, so why? Uh summer down there. Nice down, one. Down under. Um so warm, couple of friendlies, get the squad dirty, re- relax, work on a few new things. Smashing. <laughs> Like your smashing or great is your terrific, <laughs> terrific, great smashing super. Uh, um, but yeah, I just uh, I just quote Steve's got right to be disappointed. I've been there and I've been disappointed myself because obviously he was a manager in Australia. Uh, the, the point with this though is just from a even from a Scotland point of view, he picked pretty much the exact same squad with the exception of one extra player. This is supposed to be a friendly, why not just pick an entire new squad? I mean, the, you know what all these players can do anyway. The thing is, as well, there's, there's been other scenarios where. But we're going to focus on Scotland because we've got we're playing Scotland and we've got a few Scottish players. But anybody getting called up, you know, after the end of the season, we've seen this a million times, especially when we're getting into Champions League qualifiers. The season finishes and then they're going away for a couple of stupid daft friendlies, and you're thinking it's the last thing they need. They want another couple of weeks, you know, where they can just sit, do nothing, recharge before they come into pre-season. This is slightly different in terms of the fact that we're not going into competitive action, but. You don't want to waste your time doing that when you can begin to recuperate because I think we can see that a lot of the squad are tired. 
maybe come to that shortly. We yep. segue there. Um, so I think this is the ideal juncture for a lot of our players to kind of take a step back, relax, take over. Um, in, in, in Australia, doing a, a camp and playing a couple of daft friendlies. That'll do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, what works for me. Let's uh, let's kind of focus uh, on. Well, we're going to focus on Motherwell uh, in just a moment, but uh, we asked for questions from listeners, and uh, James responded. Uh, and his question is very simple: uh, moment of the season so far. Um, so we're almost halfway through the season. Uh, it's been a lot of football packed into a shorter amount of space than normally would. Okay, I was thinking about this the other day about how essentially the Champions League games would be right into December and stuff. So. Um, Lots, lot of stuff's happened. La, a lot of stuff has happened. Domestically, we've only dropped uh, three points with that defeat to St Mirren and obviously the European stuff as well. Alan, have you got a highlight so far of the season? Yeah, I, I think I think setting the tone against Strangers was probably the the standout. Um, I think the fact that you had did it to them last year that was obviously more of a necessity at that time you really you were kind of playing from behind and I think to beat them so comfortably and as I say set that tone nice and early in the season I think is really really positive um and Jen again just a, a great day um so I think it's quite hard not a great deal of European highlights so I think you then Any? Re- revert to European highlights yeah I know that's tough, it's, but it's it's not, just, no, no. We, we, we played well over spells, but I wouldn't say there's any. JJ missing a penalty was great. I loved that <laughs> moment. Um, Jota maybe equalising in Leipzig was pretty special. Uh, I say special, it was good at the time, but it was to be undone very quickly. So let's focus on the positives. Hammond Rangers at home, um, and it, I think it was pretty good. There's another good candidate in there, but I think Samani might pick it. Samani? No, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> Particularly in that game. Jota's goal was really special oh, yeah. and you know obviously we did it last season against them but you know for a few years there we had kind of struggled in terms of getting a result um, against them for a wee while so City put them to the sword last season that was special nighttime game and that this one as well though and I thought Jota's goal was absolutely outstanding there's always something in my head that until a player scores against them there's yeah. still a wee a wee question mark and there's a few of our big players who haven't done it Shota did it with complete style I mean, um, that's the second as well yeah. he scored at the end of last season yes he did he did but that one was real quality That's that was a collector's item that's up there with you know you're recalling the best goals against Rangers you know Larson's chip and things like that that's that's that, that's in the mix. You talk about that as a special, special finish. Absolutely. What's the other game that you are the other point you were going to make? I, I feel like St Johnston scoring so late. I know that we've got a lot of late goals to um, kind of catalogue now, but I feel like that one was really important because I think that early in the season dropping points, and I think the way you played that day, you would have been pretty upset. So scoring that goal that late on when. It really looked like with the players you had in the pitch, you kind of thought, mm, your moment's gone here. I think that was pretty good. And I always feel like when you get a late goal like that, it does feel like it boosts everyone. Everybody's morale, energy, everything. You get a real kick out of it. So um, late goals always always got to be up there. Um, obviously, uh, the Dundee United game has been covered this week. We talked about it on the agenda and there was a tactical and stats breakdown on the review. Um, you can sign up for the Cynic at thecynic.co. Um but just uh, there's an interesting question uh, from Liam. Um, 
After the late win out the weekend, I thought Ange's reaction was interesting and in that he said we never stop trying to score no matter what the score is, which is why we get so many late goals. However, is there an argument for us to stop sometimes at 1-0 with 10 to 20 minutes to go? I feel we could close games out comfortably if we don't give teams a chance to break on us and we concede needless goals and leaving ourselves open to the counter. In the league, we often get away with it, but I thought at home to Shakhtar was a good example. I generally don't think that we ever going to score other than on the counter. Or is it just a case of this is the way we play and we can't choose to change the style? Um, great question, Liam. Alan, you know, that game against Dundee United at the weekend, um, you know, Celtic consistently always try to kind of take that advantage. Could could there be an argument? that and, and Would it be a complete change of style just saying, maybe just chill? <laughs> just <laughs> chill out. Just take the day off, boys. Um, there is, there is a, absolutely an argument for it. There is a... Uh, a swathe of top level managers that absolutely will do that and do do that at the highest level in Europe. And I think, to be honest, we did it for a very long time as well under um, Brendan Rodgers. I think mm. we were very happy to keep the ball and um, be patient to the extent that actually if you start running down the clock, you know, it, it all works in our favour. That is all legitimate and is all reasonable. Ange Postacoglu won't do that. Um, <laughs> and he's shown that I don't think it's his game plan to drop out of games and give other teams opportunities, but he he doesn't want players to think of anything other than try and play to play forward and play to entertain and attack. And that is the route to success. Um, So it is very different. And it's almost, I I think I've said it a few times, like it's quite the fascination, the energy, the passion with which he passes that view on to obviously the fans, but more importantly, the players is something that's really important. So to deviate from it would then give players the kind of thing, yeah, that's what we do. But, but yeah. so he needs to be the one that's the absolute front and centre for that. And it, it does, it's almost it's almost cultish, you know, at times. And I think a lot of fans absolutely have bought into it. But there is there is other ways of playing football. There's other successful ways of playing football. But I think under Ange, it's, it's very much going to be this way. But he won't look at it and say, we'll chill and try and not give chances away. he say, we'll go and score more goals. And that's the way to do it. But there'll be examples of when that works and there probably will be examples when that and that doesn't work. But I think so far we're, we're definitely up on the occasions that it works versus not working. Chris, your thoughts on that? Obviously Saturday was a bit of a roller coaster for the last five or ten minutes. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think mentally, you know, sometimes the players, they don't try and see it out, but you can see that the finishing line's getting closer and maybe the intensity drops out and they're that they're quite happy to kind of keep possession but at the same time still leave us a wee bit open and I think some people would call that being lackadaisical or whatever because I think the plan is we start we take our chances and we're then two, three up or whatever and there's less chance for the opposition to come back Um, but I think sometimes you can see that and we maybe get you can see sloppiness coming in towards the end perhaps because we've ran a race in our head we're maybe one ahead and then it, yeah. you, you can see the, the the approach from the players changing And but you, you, you hit the nail on the head the manager's never going to change that's the way it's going to be I think the most positive thing for us would be to become more clinical so there's less of these games where things are close because one of the, the consistent patterns from them is if you watch them despite the fact that you know Last night was an example. You know, we weren't... Well, maybe last night's not a perfect example, but a lot of these games, we don't take chances, but 
the consistent thought process is we should have had this game out of sight by now, which would have make it make it even more frustrating if we do drop points. So I think this side's probably got to get better at taking their chances so the games are out of sight rather than adapting the way we play because it's just not in the managers. What's that phrase you use? Wheelhouse. Wheel, ooh, wheel. Oof, whatever that is. I don't think I did use it. You've used it before. <coughs> it's, one I, it's, one, it's one I use. He's marked it down in my phrase book. Yeah. Um, Great question, Liam. Um, let's let's move on to the Motherwell game because you kind of alluded to the fact maybe that we didn't create an awful lot of opportunities last night. Yeah. Um, I mean, what's alluded. your... <laughs> alluded. Alluded. Alleged. Alleged. Well, <laughs> that's, a, that's very different. Um, well, obviously, there's, we've got lots of... Uh, I think so. I don't know. <laughs> no idea. Um, we've got lots of questions about VAR, so you know we're we're going to we're going to have to. Look <laughs> you know, I'm not buzzing ah, for the VAR. Can I wait for that uh, section? I mean, I mean, VAR has became exactly what everyone kind of predicted it would become, um, and it's a bit of an albatross around everyone's neck just now. But let's just focus on the actual game itself for the moment. Um, Motherwell one, Celtic two. What did you make of the performance? Was that yourself, Samani, overall? Just general thoughts on it overall. Um, I think we look tired. You know, we're talking about this break for the World Cup. Um, I think it's coming at the perfect time. You know, we've, as you said, everybody knows we've played so much football in such a short space of time, generally two games a week for as far back as, as you can remember. I mean, I think the only time we weren't really doing that was before the start of the Champions League campaign. But even then, we've had multiple kind of league games during the week as well. So for me, I thought we controlled the game, controlled possession, um, but it was pretty lacklustre. I think our creative players on the day weren't particularly good. Um, It was almost a kind of phoned-in performance. Um, I didn't think, despite what, I can't remember the Motherwell's manager's name off the top of my head there. Stephen Hamill. Hamill. Despite what he said, you know, he was quite pleased with how close they kept it. I didn't think they were particularly in the game or on the, the front foot either, to be perfectly honest. I didn't... Okay, the first three minutes, there was a wee bit of a, a kind of stramash from them and obviously they hit the post. But after that, I didn't seem to see too much from them. But, you know, it was just laboured. You know, they seemed... They turned up and it looked as if they were happy avoiding the doing. Um and we just, you know, never really had that spark. Um, so I'm pleased that we won, obviously. Uh, I think we deserve to win over the piece. But I, I think it's what I would take away from it rather than criticising the performances. I would look at it and say, yeah, we, we look jaded just now. Uh, a break's probably a good thing. It's like um, just when you're coming to the end of work, Alan, and your, your holiday's just around the corner, you maybe don't kind of focus as much because you're looking for that break. Is that how it felt? Yeah, I think I don't even think it's it's down to physical fitness because we've rotated well. I, I do feel as if, um, and I, I don't know, a few people said it's a man. He's kind of touched on it there. It felt like a performance where the intensity, as if we had. I think when we scored the first goal, it looked as if we felt that the game we had overcame that hurdle. Yeah, and we had <coughs> beat that, and then it was a case of just trying to go through. And then I think what came into the game from a lot of players was just. I don't even. I don't think it's slackness. I think it was more lack of attention. Um, maybe even uh, it sounds dramatic saying it, but maybe just a wee bit of almost disrespect at times. I think there was. It, it was. I think it was just before half time, and 
JJ who I don't think he had a great night he didn't, have, didn't have a bad night but he wasn't great he wasn't the worst player in the, the park the, the Wolves are out for Juranovic from a yeah, certain part yeah I think it's one of those things yeah. that becomes someone says it someone else says it yeah. and it becomes he's a really good fullback, and you know I'd, I'd be very happy if he stays here but if he doesn't he doesn't you know that's fine he'll, he'll certainly play better maybe he does have a wee bit of his eye in the World Cup whatever but I think he played an outside of the foot pass right across you know right across the back line now it was well executed it was fine I reckon Ange looks at that or a coach looks at that and thinks that's not a pass to that's not a pass to make there you, you'll get it right nine, nine times out of ten that's fine but see the one time you don't you're just everybody's wrong side of the ball yeah. and there was a lot of that you know real Hattati I think Stu mentioned on the reaction last night after the game Hattati or it might have been Annabelle sorry mentioned on it just Hattati a couple of times waiting on the ball and then it just gets yeah you know taken away from him there was a lot of that in the game and I, th- and I think when we up to the goal we started to lift it but then it just dropped off and it is maybe a wee bit similar to Dundee United at the weekend and that it's almost that that hurdle of getting the goal and then just dropping off a little bit because I, I, I think Motherwell were really really poor last night and I don't yeah. think they offered much um, we deservedly won the game but they did then start to think, well, Celtic aren't at their best. And you know, it's that well-trodden combination or formula that teams need to win. They need, A, us to not be at our best. And they then need to up their game. And I think what they did start to do was they maybe started to up the game. They're really low in quality. I think you can see that. Yeah. But just the fact that you're leaving it that tight, you, you do maybe leave it to something happening late in the game. And that's what happened against Dundee United. It slowly kind of just ebbed away until actually they started to create a couple of things and then it's a game, you know. If you offer any other team in the league a ten-minute period where they really just need to go for it against Celtic and they're in the game, I think they'll take it. And, you know, hopefully we can iron these things out. But I feel that Angel maybe be a wee bit. And I think he did mention his post-match comments, post-match comments. He'll just be a little bit annoyed that the intensity wasn't there. And I think maybe the focus from some of the players wasn't there. So what that's down to, you know, you can speculate on. But I think that definitely was the case last night. So good to win, but. Not not vintage. Um, sorry. Just, I mean, you're, you said at the start about it maybe not being physically tired. You know, it it could be mentally as well. I mean, see, when you come off a Champions League campaign like that, how that went, and then to still pick up and go into a succession of, of league games, you know, with the World Cup on the horizon as well, it could really be that sharp. You know, your focus isn't quite there, and it's almost just like we've dropped off a few levels. And there could be an arrogance there as well, mm-hmm. because I think by far and away we're the best squad in the country. And you're turning up against um, certain teams, and you're thinking, you know what, I can probably get away with throwing yeah. it in. The fact the manager said that, maybe he spotted that, and that's something that he wants to iron out. But for me, I still can't get away from the fact. I just think that it's exactly as you say. Five o'clock on Saturday, that's uh, home time and it's uh, get that out of office on. A uh, couple of weeks off, I think I think some of the players have got their mind on that and obviously players like Juranovic have got their mind on going away. Um, you know, you, you mentioned about Hattati. You, Sorry. You, you can imagine that there's players in the squad though, like you're talking about in this example of players finishing, you know, uh, the work analogy. There's 100% players in that team I think fucking World Cup. I hope it's shite. <laughs> I hope it's rotten. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching it. I N- name names. Shite, mate. N- name names. Uh, are you going to, where, where are you going, mate? Oh, right, aye. I know somebody went there. Said it was shite. <laughs> uh, rained. <coughs> Just rained. Yeah. Just turned up and it was raining. Trop- oh. Tropical season over there. Does it mean he doesn't know now? Did you get a good deal, eh? Uh, you going to the World Cup? Well, 
What does that say about your character, pal? Exactly. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, Famed World Cup supporter, Alan Edgar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> see, see, on the, um, I think it was kind of summed up um, on the reaction. I, I can't remember whether it was, if it was Annabelle or Stu. I think they both kind of alluded to it or mentioned it that, you know, the, Hitati, I think, probably had one of his more off games. He, he was the game kind of passing by in the first half, but it was kind of summed up by Starfield coming out with the ball and passing it to him, and him instead of going towards the ball, coming away from the mm. ball, and just the middle player. I think it was O'Donnell kind of cutting in. Um, but someone like Hitati obviously has been playing at such high level. You can almost forgive him of that. Starfield, great to see him back. Great to see him in CCV. I thought he was good yesterday with his passing. I thought he used the ball really, really well. We really need to see him fit and fighting for the second half of the season, Chris. He's a huge player for us, and even do you think people under underestimate that? Yeah, yeah. There's still a split kind of camp amongst the Celtic support when it comes to Starfelt. Again, we're covering all ground here in terms of his high-profile mistakes. Uh, the League Cup final, you know, when he first came in last season, um, they helped Mark qualifier. You know, again, I've said it before, say it again. A lot of his mistakes have been quite high profile, quite visible, shall we say. And I think because of that a lot of people have ignored general you the know quality. The, the the quality that he's got. Even, you know, his quality in the ball in terms of passing, you know, it, it, I thought at times last night, you know, you know, wasn't doing anything spectacular, but he was quite comfortable playing the ball across the back line and things like that. Um it was quick. It was how quick he was doing it, I thought I thought he was a lot quicker than for example, and I'm not there's no point focusing on Jens right but just a lot quicker than Jens and getting the ball out from under his feet a lot quicker and I, I just thought I thought he played really he's, well he's just better than Jens at every aspect of the game I would say um, so even bringing the ball out which is Jens is supposed to you know 40 I, I, I think Starfield's better than him um, but I know I'm pleased to see him back uh, Alan I, I echo that I guess yeah I think very comfortable um, I think both him and CCV have formed a really good partnership. I think the good thing about them both and the thing you probably want from centre-halves is that they know what they're good at and they probably know really well what they're not good at. And knowing your limitations is important sometimes as knowing your strengths, especially as a defensive player. So, um, yeah, I think Jens has the potential to be a good player. But he's, I think you had mentioned it quite a few times as well, Samani, that he needs to cut out the mistakes, particularly in games where he's not under any real duress. You know, we've seen it so many times in diving in, getting caught wrong side of the ball, etc. I think you need to cut them out. I'd really, I think I said last week, I wouldn't be surprised now if between now and the end of the season, if they both remain fit, if CCV and Starfield play every game, just about every game. There's, mm. Ange doesn't like to rotate there, and I, I don't think there's a lot of. I think you've seen enough from Jens to say, right, that's fine, your third choice. But if they both of them stay fit, um, especially in that period after World Cup when CCB's away, if he does come back, if the USA go out early, I just don't see too much game time for Jens or Stephen Welsh. So, you know, see, on, that, that's a good thing. Yeah, on, on Stephen Welsh, um, obviously, uh, Ange said in the press conference that everyone was fit except uh, James McCarthy, who's got a hamstring thing, and McGregor, who's obviously long term, hopefully be back soon. Um that alludes to the fact that Welsh is available. Would you think now, with the links to the young Japanese centre half, do you think he'll potentially be looking for a move in January, uh, even if it's alone? Yeah, I mean, he want to play football. He's had a taste of it now. He's won the league here. He's played a big part in that. And I think once you get a taste for playing first team football, especially at the level that he played first team football at Europe, 
domestically, big games. Champions League. Yeah, I think once you get that, you you don't accept. I mean, even saying third choice would be being kind. He does. He's too good to be fourth choice. As much as you might be happy with that, and he's a, counts as a homegrown player, which is obviously important for European squads. He's got a value, um, and that value is probably not being realised here. So, I, I would imagine he'll be looking at it, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's looking at it at the earliest opportunity. Um, right, currently, right, right, this very moment, uh, Verona are playing. Josh Doig's playing for them. Lewis Ferguson's playing for Bologna. You look mm-hmm. at Hickey. I mean. If there's interest in Syria, it would be tough to turn it down at this point if he's not even making squads, Chris. And it'd be a good move for him. Well, I mean, playing abroad in any, you know, any kind of league, I think, is good from a technical standpoint in terms of seeing different coaching, different way of life from a kind of cultural and social standpoint. We've seen players go and improve and come back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he was linked with Udinese a season or two ago. Um, he's going to have a good career, Stephen Welsh. You know, I, I don't think that will be with Celtic, but he's a good enough player that he's going to go and um, play a lot of football somewhere else. Not quite sure exactly at what level, but see if somebody in Italy comes calling or you know he gets a chance to go over there and do that. You know, that could really kind of improve his game. That's something that could take him on to the next level. And you've talked about Doig, you've talked about Ferguson, you know, Hickey, Hickey um, Henderson as well that's gone over there. You know, it's it's. It's something uh, they even some of the interviews you've heard with them. They've talked about the coaching and the standards and the intensity and training and things like that. You know, not not even taking the route to say that it's you know a better standard, which I'm sure we would all agree. But not even just that. It's different. It's just adding something else to your game. You can take things and aspects from Italian football or whatever league you go to and bring them back and implement to the, in your game if you came back to play in Scotland. So. For me, that would be really positive if a move like that is possible for him because I don't think he's good enough for Celtic, certainly at the moment, um, but I do think he's good enough to have a, a fairly significant career somewhere and, and good luck to him. If he can get a move like that, that would be great. It would be great. I mean, I think he's got I think he's got a lot of ambitions as well. Um, we mentioned last week about him being Scotland under the 21, you know, captain and all that. So it'd be good to see a progression there. Um, David Turnbull is um, someone who... Everyone has big, kind words to say in regards to how, how much we'll rate him as a player. But I think the phrase square peg and round hole. I thought you were just going to leave it as square there. I was going to say <laughs> that's really, really harsh, mate. That's a bit much. Um, but, you know, I, I think we, we all kind of say that, yeah, he's got a lot of talents, a lot of qualities, but maybe he doesn't fit into the Angus sort of system. Um, but his pass yesterday for, for Maeda, great, great vision. Really, really good. Um but at the same time, it doesn't look like he's going to kind of force his way in. Is January too soon for him to potentially maybe also be just asking questions of the manager in regards to, you know, what his role in the team is? Because it is still a little bit, he is still one of the kind of first wave of substitutes, but he, he doesn't obviously start as much. Thoughts, Alan? Yeah, I, I think, uh, first of all, he has, again, had his kind of injury issues this season, which... Oh, yeah certainly doesn't help and especially mid-season it doesn't help but after what was a really really promising pre-season where it looked like him and Matt O'Reilly were pretty much directly competing for a jersey he's really fallen off because O'Reilly has really made it his own um, and you know two different areas of the park he's been quite comfortable and when Turnbull has had opportunities he's, he's looked like he's not getting into that rhythm um, he does look a little bit like the pace of the game has 
just been a bit quick for him sometimes. I think it's maybe a bit harsh to say that he's not an Ange system player. I think sometimes we get a wee bit hung up on that. Ange does like athletic players that can get about and are technically <coughs> gifted. He's certainly technically gifted. He's not particularly athletic. But you did rely on him for almost the entirety of last season. Mm. Well, you know, for a long, long period where he played two games a week and we seemed to manage okay. So I think Ange is a lot more pragmatic than sometimes we give him credit for. I don't think he'll be banging down the manager's door looking for a move because I think he'll feel that he can still succeed here. But if we are going to look to continually improve, you know, we talked about bringing in a centre-half, I think we've said about maybe another striker potentially, um, you know, over the next, you know, whether it's this window or the next, and you would be looking at the midfield, if you are trying to improve that quality, what is already precious game time for him is going to be quite difficult. But I, I do maybe just caution us a little bit against thinking, is he done, is he not done? Because yeah. I think, not to sound too philosophical, but a player's destiny is really just up to the player. See if he comes in and he starts playing well, very quickly that all changes. Um, so the injury problems haven't helped and I think he's a player you can still rely on. It's just how high level can you rely on him? I think that's the issue and he has found it difficult and the fact that Ange hasn't rotated that midfield a lot at all, despite the amount of games we've played, despite some of the high intensity games we've played, he's really asked the guys in there to he's went back to the well constantly there mm. to not go to Turnbull or even any of the other guys who are, you know, we seem to have the discussion with them every week, <laughs> kind of highlights that he, he wants more in there and Turnbull well, isn't giving him it yet. Well, see, I'd say, and get your both your thoughts on this, you know, Moy being ahead of him. Now, Moy is someone that Ange has worked with, so that's a big, probably a big green tick. Um, he's someone with experience. But the, I don't want to say criticisms, but the the sort of, the questionable Moy's quite slow. <laughs> I, thought, slow I the genuinely ball. thought you were going to be a lot more subtle about that. <laughs> no, but like um, he is quite slow on the ball. That's not to say that he doesn't have quality on the ball, but you know he mm-hmm. sometimes slows it down. Um, and that's the kind of th- that's the kind of uh, quality, if you will, or, or lack thereof, that is kind of put at David Turnbull. Technically, he's excellent, real great pass passer of the ball, but he's maybe seen it as as a little bit slow to see. Moy ahead of him is just what I'd say is I, I I think he would maybe I think that would be quite quite painful no like because I mean Moy, Moy start seems to be starting every week specifically domestically at this point people might disagree with us but I think quite simply right now Aaron Moy is a better player than David Turnbull and that might be the problem you know um, is he ceiling higher of course it is I think I agree is with he ceiling higher because he's younger. Well, yeah, yeah. He's got, I mean, I would agree with Alan in terms of pre-season, I thought he, he looked, you could really kick on this season. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't. And I mean, I've talked about how one-footed he is and question marks over, you know, what he could, what you know, what level he can get to and what he can attain to. But I think he's even below what the levels that we've seen him at for Celtic just now. And that's the problem for it. Because when you're a young player like him, you need to be getting better season by season. Now, again, opportunities are a wee bit more limited, but that's why he is getting a lot of game time coming off the bench, but you really need to see more from him in terms of then asking the question about where he's going to go. You know, he has not reached the heights that he did last season, this season. Injuries have hampered that, but he's been on the park enough for me to say quite comfortably, you have not developed in the way that I hoped you would. And I suppose that's the problem. Now, what age is he? 23? 23 came off 24. 
the only parallel you could make is maybe Mikey Johnson has gone on loan. He's roughly the same age, isn't he? Mikey Johnson's younger. Not by much. Mikey Johnson, not 23 as well. The point being is he's probably at the upper end of if you were thinking of loaning him out. Now, I'm not saying he's going to do that, but you're you're talking about a move. For me, if you were going to move Turnbull on, it probably would be in a loan, and it would be to a club where he would be the main man for a season. That might benefit him. I don't think it's likely, but that might be the case. But right now, he's in an awkward position where he's getting game time. He's not particularly impressing when he comes on, but the manager might be in a position thinking if he can strengthen the squad, certainly in the middle of the park, it might be that that game time he's getting just now, he's not getting um, next season. And then he's really in a position where he might stagnate. I think he's a, a wee bit of a crossroads for us just now. Uh, good point. Mikey Johnson is two months older than David Turnbull. They're both 23. Oof. Very good. Oh. Very good, Chris. Did uh, I ever tell you about an athletic article? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, there's a question from... Um, D- did we not start that off? That discussion, though, by praising the pass that he played last night, we should maybe we should. I feel like we should. Yeah, yeah. It, oh, was, yeah, yeah. it was lovely and genuine. I don't, I don't think anyone doubts that David Turnbull's a really good footballer. It's just, it's just maybe at Celtic. It's, it's kind it's of high expectation. I think. Yeah. It, I think you mentioned it. That's what it is. I think that you want him. You're thinking last year when Baxter against the wall, you really did as a job. Let's see now when the rest of the team flourishing, can we maybe start to then bring out some of the better elements of your game as well? But yeah. it, it, it hasn't happened. But that pass last night was genuinely spot on. Perfect. I, I'd honestly, without doubt, I think that's. I've celebrated more Maeda goals, bigger goals, more important goals, maybe. Scored, but yeah. genuinely, I think that is the that's the best piece of quality I've seen from Tyson Maeda since he came in. See that touch and finish Excellent. at that speed the at wee, that time the in the pace, game. The wee burst of that first touch Beautiful. last night is. That is exactly what you brought Dyson May down for. And I was really delighted from the finish was fucking outstanding as well. Really, really good. He looked really th- happy th- as well. I think we need to give credit to David Turnbull, says Alan, before <laughs> just praising Dyson Maida. So there we go. Fair. Uh, Fair. Question from David... Uh, David uh, Turnbull. Why do you guys talk <laughs> shit every week? Why do you hate me, guys? Uh, P.S. You're all dicks. Uh, listen, so he messaged in on the WhatsApp. Listening to the review where they were discussing David Turnbull, it seems like they were saying that Turnbull plays uh, it safe and is quite risk-averse. It sounds as if he is more mentally suited to playing as a number six. Why do you think Ange turned to Matt O'Reilly rather than him? Could he play the number six, Al? Uh, no, I don't, no. I, don't, I don't think so. He's not, he's not got a defensive mindset, I don't think. Um, he is he is very good at ball retention because he's technically very good, but I think he wants to play higher up. I think the issue is as well. They both might play higher up. <laughs> well, I, th- I think the issue is for Turnbull that he, he was a he was an out and out ten at Motherwell. We don't play with a number ten. We don't mm. play with someone in that that role. Um, so he, he has been asked to do a lot more of the you know uglier side of the game than probably fancies doing. I mean, we, we kept saying it last year. Him and Roderick is too you know, number, athletic number eight, she genuinely thought we were fucked. <laughs> so, Ange, of all the things Ange has achieved in his career, getting us to the finish line with Tom Roderick and David Turnbull's two number eights in a really energy-intense system was was quite something, but I think he'd prefer to play as a number 10. I wouldn't be pushing him back, the way. Um, yeah. Do you think Did he... they say that? Was that... No, I think I think that's David's kind of... Right, okay. And, okay. Uh, you know, uh, and I, 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 get, I, get, I get what he's kind of saying, because... Uh, yeah, I mean, I... I, I I can understand the point that you're making there, Alan, in terms of he's quite comfortable retaining possession and things like that. But I'll be honest, it, it doesn't strike me as, as a position that I think he would flourish in. So anyway. Um, let's uh, let's go to discuss the 
Unfortunately, oh, well, before, actually, before we do that, discuss <laughs> the var bit. Uh, before we discuss the var bit, um, because we we've got so many questions about it. But um, I we'll thought we answer them nice and straightforward. That shouldn't take long. Um, excellent. Matt O'Reilly's determination for the first goal I thought was excellent when um, he kind of lo- loses possession or the, 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 the mother player comes in great ball to Kyogo Kyogo fit and firing a little bit better seems to be getting his confidence back a little bit more um, it'd be good to obviously obviously him not being at the World Cup is a, bit, a wee bit of a shame for him Did, uh, when I was watching the game, I genuinely was waiting for the whistle as soon as O'Reilly made O'Reilly's that tackle, tackle not yeah. because I thought it was a foul but because referees, there's certain decisions that are just, it's like a Perfect reflex for, for a referee. It's and it's an easy like decision. Attackers, when they make a tackle, the standards are different for if it was vice versa. And I, I genuinely assumed he was going to blow the whistle. And I was ready to fucking blow my top as well. But fortunately, uh, Willie got it right. Uh, so here's the first of our bar we'll say that again Alan <laughs> yeah. Edgar and praising officials shocker you, you're going to be surprised the rest of this mate uh, Gordon Latimer uh, what's up then hi just a quick point serious question they used to call it honest mistakes and they even themselves out over the season if they can now watch multiple replays on video what is it called now because it can't be an honest mistake made in the blink of an eye all the best guys keep up the good work thanks Gordon Latimer kind of sums it up a little bit um, the the, the okay. What was the worst decision of the night, Alan? Was it the? <laughs> you you fucked me. Here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, was it the Jota offside? Was it um, the uh, the other ones? Starfelt red card. Starfelt red card. What what was the last one? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if Jota was offside. Like, I've seen. Is that the? That's the problem, though. Well. Aye, but the ref. See if we did any VR, the, the goal wouldn't have stood. I, I, I'm happy to accept it was offside. Now that genuinely is very off brand for me. Like a hundred percent, you know, you know that for a fact. I love the option of believing referees. I think they're hopeless, and I still think they're hopeless. But if that's see, showing me a, you taking a picture of your telly and saying it, look, it looks on site for it. I'm not looking across the line. Nobody has got it across the line. So, look, see, I'd rather be focused on the decisions that are clearly fucking wrong. And there's plenty of them. The Jota one is a really great goal and it is a real shame because it looked close. I've always thought you should advocate for, you know, having a little bit more given the attacker an advantage. But it's no... I've not seen an angle yet that tells me 100% he's offside and I've not seen an angle that tells me he's onside. So... We're much the same position we would be in if we didn't have VAR. And the Starfelt one, it, it looks messy. See if you have footage from behind every tackle. Kyogo and Gigi, see when they go and shut down a centre-half and he goes to clip it up the line and they go and, blo- go and block the ball. See if you're looking at it from behind and you don't have that, you're not looking at it properly. You'll look at it and think he's been right through him. The Morris one, they, they might have given it a red card and I probably wouldn't have complained. I'd have been quite happy. But I, I don't. I think you see a lot of tackles like that in a game. He doesn't go through him. He's trying to block off the ball, and he's not trying to go through the man. Like I just, there's so many decisions that are genuinely fucking awful against us. And you know, Gordon mentioned that there's loads of them. There will be loads of them this year, and we've already seen a few. That I think are just a complete nonsense. The ones last night, I was kind of, I was shouting for the red card at the time. But then, see when I watched it back, I know everybody looks at the day and think that's a Stonewall red card. It, it doesn't happen. He doesn't go through and hit him, so I, I don't want to be playing fucking five-a-sides all season. I, I just, I, 
I don't think it's a, it's not clear and obvious error, but I don't think it was a straight red card. And I know I'm probably in the minority, but having a quick look into it earlier, it looked like it was. So, so Manny's got... <laughs> right, putting the Starfield red card to one side, non-red card, I, I can't, I can't agree at all with a Jota goal. I mean, the problem we've got here is, I've not seen any angle, any still, that suggests to me that he was offside. Now, it's very close, and it's one of those ones where, you know, if you've seen it conclusively from another angle, you might go, I okay. But you haven't. And that that would never happen in the English Premier League. Now, I know that there's a disparity, in, uh, discrepancy, disparity, what's the word? I can't even get it out. There's a difference <laughs> in the budget where they've got 45 billion, as you say, gal cameras, and we've got two JVC camcorders, serotape to the stand or something like that. But see if you can't implement it properly. Don't. Don't. And see this whole thing where, you know, the cameras that we've got, we calibrate and then we do this, that and the next thing. See if you can't conclusively show a picture after it, like they managed to do in the EPL. Now, sometimes when you look at it, it's a toenail that's offside. And you might throw your hands up and go, ah, oh, that's shite, it's, it's a toenail. At least you've got that. See when you've got, for me, in my, my opinion... A still that looks as if he's onside, just onside, then I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not satisfied in the slightest with it. But the, the, the linesman had his flag up though, so we'd have been in the same position if we didn't VAR. But, but we do have VAR if we've got our VAR, same thing. <laughs> but there's, there's not a still that shows it. I, I don't think there's a still looking at it that shows he is 100% onside. But, but, but that's the thing, if we've got VAR, it should be done properly so that we can see this. What's the point? What's the point? You're saying if we didn't have VAR, it wouldn't have stood. Correct. Now we've got VAR, we're in a position where we don't know if it should stand, when the point of VAR is to know that conclusively. I don't know why you're not getting annoyed by it. I just, I, I feel, I think, because, see, if we, like, if we were sitting here and it was two each, I'd be fucking, my tune would be changed, right? I'm a complete hypocrite, as we heard earlier, talking about World Cup. But if you're going to, look, with VAR, what we're told is that they use a Hawkeye technology. There's six cameras minimum at every game where they calibrate it at the start of the game so that they can say, based on where the players are on the field, they will know whether it's offside mean? or not. What does that mean? Well, it, it means that you've got six cameras and you're, you're not going to have, for every single decision, you're not going to have a camera right along the line because we, you're not going to have that. that that's just... Well, because I don't know how many cameras would it take to fucking fill a, fill a football field right along the way. Do you know what I mean? Three more. I, I think it... No, but then if it's if it's a decision where it's a ball from one end of the park and it's going the other, what camera do you look at? Do you know what I mean? It's it's not... But let's 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 flip it over and we, we, we show the Motherwell goal. Now, at first glance, I thought, mm, he looks offside. But then you very, very clearly see that Juranovic, his leg plays him onside. It's conclusive. You go, I got that wrong. Absolutely. If we can't implement VAR and do that, I just think... and. You're exactly right. See, if it was two each, you'd be sitting here going spare as well. But there's a consistency to this. There's a consistency. See if we cannot... I mean, they could turn around and say the cameras were calibrated. We are very satisfied that it is. Don't care. See, as a support, I think we need to see conclusive evidence of how that is. And if that involves buying a few more JVC camcorders and getting them taped up, they need to do that. See, is he just... Or I do, and, and I think we all agreed it was going to be a complete nonsense. Yeah. And VAR, the first three weeks of VAR has really been 
a complete shambles. In my opinion, I think not just for us, the inconsistency across all decisions now is ridiculous. And midweek probably is the worst of a lot this week. Um, I mean, the one against Rangers, the Hearts one, where it's exactly, almost exactly the same as, as um, Bernabe's. Yeah, and yeah. Nothing happens. Yeah. Nothing happens. It's just lack of consistency. And I think now that 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 lack of consistency is one thing. I think in the offside, I just I don't like to see the ones. If you're going to make the argument that the decisions are, there's going to be so many this year that are clearly wildly wrong. And I think that's like the Michael Smith one at uh, Tyne Castle. Genuinely, VR or not, that's a handball because there's a movement of the hand to the ball directly. It doesn't hit another part of the body first, which is the rule. That's what I think annoys me. The ones like that. Last night, I think you could have gave that guy a red card last night. See if you're doing that, you're going to see so many red cards a game, and I, I, that's not what I want to see. We talk about like you know the English Premier League, and you know everything down as a field. The amount of red cards you see for tackles, we think oh, that's not. You know, it looks bad when you slow show a still, but in reality, when you watch it in context, it's not. I really, I don't aspire to be like that. I quite like it up here, and I'm not saying I want players' fucking legs hanging off for terrible tackles, but. That one last night, the camera is behind the players. The guy makes a tackle, and it is a kind of lunge, but it's across the front. It's not through, and I think that's where... See, if Gigi goes to shut down a centre-half who clips up the line, and he goes across the front of him, he slides in, and it looks wild, but it's because he's blocking, looking to block the ball. He's not looking to fucking smash through a player. Yeah, yeah. I think that's... I don't want us playing fucking 8v8 every week and with five penalties and things like that. I, I would like it if actually... See, unless you look at it and immediately go, that that's a nonsense. And I get some people look at it and might disagree with me. That's fine. But I want it to be those ones that they overturn, not the, it looks kind of bad. He gave a yellow, but it's probably a red. See, unless it's definitely... That's the ones I want to see change. Otherwise, it's going to be... You were at Celtic Park Saturday, you were at Celtic Park on Saturday waiting on the decisions is just fucking brutal so seeing less it's clear and obvious just got on with the game crack on for me though there is going to be a degree of you know and you know kind of subjective you know in terms of what you think of the decision with the red card ones with the handball ones it's the offside I can't get my head around offside is the one thing that should be clear with this technology this is the one thing that you should not get wrong because you you know the minute the ball's played, you've got a, a you know video kind of replay of it where you can see exactly if they're onside or not. I don't think there's any excuse. And then the, the, you know the league, the referees might be saying, "No, we didn't get it wrong. We're very very comfortable that that was offside last night." But this is a spectator sport, and for me, when you see the standards, you can talk about VAR in and of itself, right? But that would never have happened in the EPL, never would you have seen something. You might have seen something where it was so microscopic that you would go, I'm not sure if that's offside. But you wouldn't have had a decision like that where you're you're sitting here talking about it and saying, that looked onside to me and they've never they've not given you a conclusive picture of it. That's the problem I've got. That's when you start to say, what's the point? And, you, and then you couple in some of the other decisions, you know. I mean, <laughs> I think the one thing we can all really agree... See when they showed the camera angle, I mean, surely you'd be looking and going, don't show that. See, that, see that angle you knocked up, by the way, and drew, drew the stupid wee lines on, fucking delete that. Yeah. Don't, certainly don't put it on Sky's, uh, put it on the feed so everybody, because see when they showed it, I was like, ah, oh, for fuck's sake. Because when I seen it initially, I thought, I think he might just be a wee bit off, but it's really hard to tell because the camera's kind of angled and then they show the fucking drone shot from... 
fucking Ravens Craig, and it was just like, what the? F- you're no helping yourself. So, see, but in terms of perception, I think that really doesn't help. Um, uh, I agree there. And I will say this, right? To jump on Alan Edgar's unpopular bandwagon, we're only three weeks in here, right? So. It'd be dead easy to say it's this, that or the next thing, right? And I reserve the right to do that over the course of the season. But today what I'll say is, you know, maybe they'll, you know, there's teething problems they said there will be. Maybe they're going to improve the cameras, angles and all that sort of stuff so that this thing becomes less of an issue going forward. For me right now, though, major improvement required. I know I keep, just as you, every every time, um, I, I think the one thing we can probably all say as well whether it's last night over the the piece, over the first three weeks, and going back to, I think, was it Gordon that messaged in? I think we could all see it coming that for whatever reason, not suggesting anything otherwise, but you could 100% put your fucking mortgage on the fact that it would be us that kind of get dicked over a bit. (laughs) And I don't know, another team might actually come out of it quite well. And here we are. It, but the the big positive I take from it is that kind of in spite of these wee injustices and some big ones, and I think Hearts was ridiculous. I think it's quite positive that because I know people, um, maybe there's questions about it as well. People saying, "How is it going to impact us?" I think somebody asked in the agenda on Monday, you know, how are we going to factor this in? You just need to keep playing football, and I think what we've shown is that we, we'll still win games, and that's really positive. And hopefully, over time, when they start to even themselves out, because hopefully we've got a right good few coming our way. <laughs> Uh, that's no confidence at all <laughs> he's going to go off the reservation one week and I'm going to tell him to calm down yeah, Dundee and bare feet I'll, I'll phone in yeah eating your toddler on um, Thomas Montgomery I'm just going to read out some of the comments from the, the listeners because um, they're all different kind of uh, tonally if you should say uh, Thomas Montgomery hi guys love the weekly in the agenda keep up the good work uh, thanks very much Thomas my question for the panel is is it about time Celtic grew up here and did something about the blatant cheating that goes on by referees in games against us bad enough being cheated for years and doing nothing about it but now we have VAR and we're still being cheated since VAR was introduced nearly every game we've had decisions go against us from Tynecastle to Bernabeu's handball which he also received a yellow card for and then to the Jota goal last night I really fear for the rest of the season as to how far they will go to blatantly try and stop us from just another paranoid Tim. Cheers, Thomas Montgomery. Hail, hail, and keep the faith. Um, any points on that? I mean, the consistency in terms of the decision, one of the first thoughts that come to your mind is, yeah, the club should maybe call it out and ask for like an explanation. I'm sure I've seen an article today where they were asking for clarification on the Jota offside. I mean... I don't want to get down the road where the club start releasing Rangers style statements. Well, that's that's the thing. It's a very so. I, I know but, the... but but if 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 there's concerns, and we're talking about it here, and the support more widely are talking about it, if there's concerns with the implementation in some of these decisions, then the club have got absolutely every right to ask the league for some justification and and, and clarification or, or whatever on this. What I don't want them to do is to, you know, go in with two feet and put a statement out publicly or anything like that. But Again, we're in the early junctures here of the the, the early part of, of this being introduced in the country. It's not gone well so far. I'm more than happy for the club to just to do that. Just put the pressure on a little bit and say, this hasn't been going well. Can you clarify this? What's happening here? Do that. But 
not two feet yet. Um, I was just quickly read out, um, Ken Walsh, uh, the wonderful Ken Walsh, pretty much asks about that. Why do the club aren't coming out strong against VR decisions or our matches? Um, and then he just kind of goes on to uh, highlight a few points. Great great stuff as always, Ken. Uh, Any more questions in VAR? Here, <laughs> here's one from Ian. Hello, everyone. Uh, with four VAR games now showing a problematic pattern emerging for us, one which naively we believed might have actually been uh, clamped by VAR, what realistically are the options available should the folk running club decide to act? He then goes, Personally, I'd like to see the club request trained VAR officials from another nation who are using VR and domestically to come in as consultants for the rest of the season. And I'd also like to get them to request that audio be shared between the referees in the pitch and in the VAR room. Thanks, Ian. What about that? Yeah, I, th- I think the um, yeah, particularly over the communication. I think I'd mentioned after Saturday's game, the one thing that was quite clear was that the sixty thousand fans in the stadium were the least informed. People listening on the radio at home probably had a better idea of what Excellent was happening. Point. Yeah, um, and I think you should treat the people that are going to games. I think they should be treated with respect and actually try and inform them what's happening. We have got two massive screens at Celtic Park. If you've got a still showing a handball that you show people on TV at home, then I think the people in the stadium should see it. Um, I think that's really clear. Um, as for the kind of bringing people in from other countries, etc., then I'm all for it as, on the basis that I can pick the country. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a neighbouring island quite close to us that um, the, uh, they'd quite like to bring some people over from there to help us out a wee bit. And if you've got kids, you're listening, try and get them into refereeing. See if you've got, a, you know, you're maybe taking a wee boy to football tonight or a wee girl to football tonight and you're thinking, ah, they're only very good. Get them into refereeing so that in 10, 15 years we can rely on a good stock of Celtic-based referees coming through because that would help a lot. Chris? So that's really the long-term plan, that. <laughs> sure. Yeah, this is the long-term aim. Terrific. <laughs> smashing smashing no Super. get the get 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 the kids get the kids into a VAR course so that we can get them into the, the caravan and uh, give Celtic decisions <laughs> so it's a, a bit of a tangent that Alan went off on when um, I, I just think when you say that about the caravan I just think of the episode of Farrah Ted with Graham Norton when they're all stuck in the caravan those ones are far away um, question from at, Ant- at the World Cup as well I think this the handball thing is going to be a really oh, big yeah, issue at the World yeah, Cup yeah, and right. I think what you'll get is, is IFAB the, um, the kind of rule makers I think what you'll find is probably after the World Cup if it comes ahead you might get a clarification on handball that will come maybe more, more throughout de- the season more definitive yeah. normally they wait till the end of the season but as I think referees are going to the World Cup and they really don't know what to do and if it happens in a stage like that I think you might find a bit of clarification what they do I don't know but They've been working on this one for years, and look where we are. So, and VAR's really made it worse. So, I think we're, we're not alone in that. Uh, question from Andrew Connor. Um, he he sent two two emails. One of them was just said uh, red card question mark What the fuck? And the second one was um, who is our other winger? No, sorry, who is our other other winger now? Assuming Jota always starts. So, obviously, there's rotation uh, as you'd imagine, but. For example, let's just say on January the second, um, and then obviously there's so if January, let's just say the next game was against Rangers next week. Who would on current form with everything we've just went through? Who would you start on Jota? Let's say Kyogo. Who would you put another one? Um, for Andrew? He says Haksabanovic. Is Barisic playing? Sure, they'll probably pick a bad one because <laughs> <laughs> he's got one toast. Just um, scan him. I think Maeda probably, if he shows the kind of 
Formie has if he's a good World Cup. There's definitely a jersey there. Is, is it a harder question than it was at the start of the season? Or, or even just a couple of weeks ago? Because everyone starts to has started. Maeda's kind of picked up form. Um, Haksibanovic came into it a little bit more. Abada, okay, he's a bit up and down, but he's still scoring you know, goals and being effective at points. There's a bit of a, there's still this question mark about the right hand side and where players fit naturally because you can play Jota there, but it's not his best position. You can play Maida there, but I think it really kind of hampers his game out there. And then you're, if you're picking natural right sided players, you've got Forrest and Abada. Forrest, okay, he's come on and he's contributed this season. I said a couple of weeks ago, I think he'll make a contribution, but you just don't view him as a first-choice pick now, and rightly so, I would say. Don't be disrespectful. (laughs) Don't be disrespectful. disrespectful. I won't be, uh, apart from just being disrespectful. (laughs) Abada, I've made my views perfectly clear on him. Last night was a perfect example of a performance from a guy who, if he's not scoring, he's not doing anything. thought he was really poor last night. Um, But you do pick him, and you might pick him going to that game at Ibrox because of his knack of finding space in the box and the fact that he's done it more than once against Rangers. So if you ask me who I would pick, I would probably pick Jota, Kyogo and Abada, but I wouldn't be particularly comfortable picking, not comfortable picking Abada. I wouldn't have high expectations in terms of what he might or might not do. He seems to, he seems, yeah, he does perform well against Rangers and in that game specifically. See, see, see if he continues to do that, see if he continues to do that. Who cares, man? You know, he could. He, if you've got a knack of scoring against Rangers, you're I mean, golden, you, man. You, you said it yourself at the start, you know, uh, until a player kind of scores against them. Yeah. Especially a forward player as well. It's it's, it's not even just the goals, it's the way he scores them against Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny. Yeah. <laughs> it really cracks a lot. Oh, he just can't, he scans them every You can time. just imagine Barisic saying, right, I've got him. I know where he is. I'm going to turn round. Don't move. You just stay there and then I know wherever it went and then bang, go. Um, so I just, just play a bad and we can win 3 4 nothing and enjoy ourselves again. Yeah, uh, we, we don't often talk about Rangers and all that, but we have pulled seven points clear. Um, the performance against St. Johnson I thought was pretty pathetic, frankly. I thought it was good, I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> terrific. I agree to disagree. I'm trying to, I'm trying to recover after this red card issue because I feel like I'm in the minority here. Aye. I might go home and watch it again. What, what, do, you, what do you think about them? Well, actually, now that I've seen that red card incident again, now that everybody called me a dick. I think uh, maybe it was. You thought not you, at all. I'm sticking sticking to my guns. I'm doubling down. Right. Uh, what What do you think about them? Just their current situation because we're seven points clear. They've got obviously we all have one game left before the break. Do you think they'll make any? Their fans want another manager. Mm. Do you think they'll just hopefully? And from their point of view, they'll everything will they'll win on Saturday and then they'll just kind of hope everything quietens down for the start of the season. The start of restart the season. Sorry. See. Van Bronckhurst to me looks like he's on borrowed time at, at the club. Um, as much as you don't want to give Rangers any praise, that the squad they've got are better than they're performing just now. You know, I do think that they've got sig- you know significant weaknesses in the squad. I think we're overall far better than them, but they're underperforming, and I think a lot of that is to do with the manager. Um, for me, I'm quite happy. You know, obviously they get the win last night. I wasn't too bothered about that. I'm quite happy for them to limp along. I think, though, there's a chance, all things being equal, no injuries, that we could go to Ibrox and scud them. And then I think that would be the end for, for Van Bronckhorst. For me, he's, you know, he's, 
he won the Scottish Cup last season and the run to, to the Europa. Uh, I believe he won the league with Feyenoord. You know, he's a guy who's got either a great pedigree as a player. He seems to have, you know, something as a manager, but I think the pattern seems to be that he can't develop that consistently. Um, and I think that's evident here. It just seems as if it's a matter of time with him just now. And I think that the, the straw that breaks the camel's back could be the game against them at the start of January. Quick on that, Alan. Anything else to add? Yeah, that. We are, we are seven points clear and I think complacency is our, our issue. There's three games left against Rangers, that's nine points, so it's still very much live, but um, for, I just like to see us keep doing what we do and then whether it's... If we win the league this year, I couldn't care less whether it's Van Bonkost or Who some other fuck, Rangers guy? manager that's um, given the interview on the last day of the season to sports sounds but you can bet your ass I'll be listening um, <laughs> you better believe it so I, I, I don't really have any opinions on it they can do what they like but as long as we keep winning and if we did um, hammer them in the 2nd of January then I would be absolutely fucking delighted uh, we are some points clear as mentioned so I'd like it to be a new manager actually can I roll back on that I'd like it to be a new manager that we if we did win in the 2nd of January because then it would be like we've got fucked despite the fact that we've got a new guy in. So that feels like that would be optimum pain. Yeah. So. yeah. Aye, because it would just be like, oh, we've got a new guy in, about a bit of hope and just take away their hope. Yes. Yes, please. Yes. I'll, I'll take that option, please, waiter. <laughs> aye, that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've went a la carte for it. Yeah, I've went a bit. Yeah, um, aye, he's, 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 you know, he's trying, trying new things after basically saying that the referee in this country is absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, Seven points clear. Uh, there's one game left. We're playing Ross County at the weekend, and it'll be the last game before the the break. Uh, we will cover that in detail on the lunch club tomorrow. Uh, we'll have a preview of the game, and then we'll be talking about the game uh, in the lunch club later. So there's two podcasts released tomorrow. So check that out. Um, just on that game, it's Celtic Park. It's three p.m. kickoff. It's against a Ross County team that are kind of a bit up and down. Is it just a case of get involved and? But what are you doing? He was looking at me funny. He's what? trying to fold this question off in me. That's what he's doing. <laughs> Is it just a case of uh, turn up and do what we're doing and hopefully should be enough? Yeah, I mean, notwithstanding what I'd said earlier on about the, the players kind of seeing the finishing line, a home game against Rocks County before the break is ideal. It's uh, a team, as you said, that, you know, they're, they're struggling for consistency. You know, we've seen them and they've had some decent performances against us over the last um, wee, um, wee while. But again, it's a game that you think that we've got more than enough in the tank to go and win. For me, it would be great if we could put a few past them, not have some of these nervy games, you know, where we're going into the latter stages, just one goal in front or whatever. Go, be professional, put a few past them, send the fans home happy. Um, four weeks or whatever it is off for the World Cup. Oh, lovely. Alan, you'd imagine the same. Yeah, I think it's just that complacency. Make sure that doesn't creep in. Yeah. Um, do you think Andrew would have had a talk with him after that game on against Mother? I don't think you would do it. You wouldn't say directly. I think you would do it through your training sessions and try and create that urgency a little bit again. I think you look at it, you start to reflect a wee bit on the first half of the season and start to think it doesn't. It's only good if you see it out, you know, the kind of half season and then you start again. It's not a long, long break. So it is just about making sure you go. And I think it wouldn't hurt to put on a kind of performance and then go away, take take a wee bit of restock. It's going to be, I think, I'm not going on Saturday, but I think it will be a... You're going to Berlin, aren't you? Munich. 
Munich. Close so. enough. <laughs> and and on that note, if someone can fucking if someone runs a bar in Munich, can you put a Celtic game on? Because there's no CSE and it's embarrassing. Nevertheless, um, I think it will be an odd experience. I think going on Saturday because it's you're basically going to a game on the what twelfth of November. Yeah, and that's you're not going to see the players for I think until about the eighteenth of December or something. So it's going to be quite bizarre, quite unique. I even found it odd when you hear some of the kind of festive songs in like late October, but it's obviously because everything's coming forward. So hopefully the players can get round that. Obviously, put a bit of a show on, big walk round after the game, everybody's happy, and then just apply that wee bit more pressure, hopefully, and that would be good, and we'll see what happens. Um, as I said, there'll be a preview dropping at midday tomorrow, then there will be the lunch club, which is uh, should be myself and Paul and Colin, that's recording at 6pm on Friday evening, and then on Saturday there's the reaction straight after the game, so plenty of coverage over the last game. Uh, I just wanted to finish by just talking about the, the AGM a little bit, um, just... There's some kind of interesting points because it brings up a, a, a question that was sent to us by um, Kevin McGoldrick. Um, morning, lads. Uh, this was sent this morning. <laughs> Just interested to get your Check thoughts out. on Ange's comments about having a more aggressive player trading model. And when he said that fans don't want to see money sitting in the bank, is that a dig that perhaps having said the plans for January are already underway that he thinks that he's not getting the backing? Or players he wants, or is it? Or am I reading too much into it? Just heading now in case you want um, more stuff. Cheers. Um, the Chris, I'd like to get your point of view on it um, because it was mentioned at the AGM about a more agile and aggressive trading kind of model where essentially players can come and go. It's about Celtic deciding when is the right time to sell. We've discussed at length about not selling and Cham and Edward and Ayer and everyone at the right time don't want to fall into that trap again um, that sort of model is kind of going to be quite jarring to maybe some support who kind of like to bring players in you know mm. get get behind them and all that you know really get to connect with these characters um, we always talked about two or characters <laughs> but characters we, we always talked about like two or three seasons give us two or three seasons yeah, and then yeah, you can yeah. move on whereas now it seems like the way what I'm just talking about is you might only get a season out of them and then we'll move them on because we want a replacement and how, yeah. how do you approach that as a fan well first point I don't think um, Ange is like Rogers Rogers used to be quite cryptic or quite you, you often thought Rogers was talking to the board I don't really see that way Ange Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems to me that he's just kind of really straight talking in terms of, or forthright in terms of what he means. If that's the model that they are looking to do, I, I, I think over the last few years we've had our fingers burned in terms of that emotional attachment, first to the manager with Rodgers, Tierney leaving, you know, hanging on to guys like Dembele and Ayer for a season too long, not Dembele, sorry, um, Edward. I mean, Edward was a guy that was, you know, the absolute darling of the Celtic support. But by the time he left, you know, the, the shine had really gone. And I think from my own perspective, as much as we've got huge players in the squad just now, I'm a wee bit more likely to understand that if they want to move on, get them out, right? But the model that needs to be there has got to be, you, the club are aware of that and they know that that's going to happen and they're actively seeking replacements. So... If we wake up on, you know, January the, let's say the second, the morning of the Rangers game, let's go for that. Oh, Jesus. And Celtic announced the fact that they've signed a Polish right back. Well, that means that we know that Juranovic is probably on his way out. And 
I'm comfortable with that as long as the club are doing their homework and they're able to embed players into it. It's something that we've talked about. Ideally, you would want the replacement at the club before the player that moves on in terms of that transition. That seems to be what Ange is alluding to. And if that's the case, so be it. I don't think we can get into the position now where we're saying give us another year or we want another year. If the player wants to go and the price is right for the club because that's a factor as well, then they should go. I don't really want to, you know, get attached to players much anymore because it always ends, always ends in tears, gal. Ends in tears. Alan, what's your kind of thoughts on it? I think I agree in the extent that I was didn't want us to lose some of the key players over the last few years. I think the only reason I'm more comfortable with it at the moment is two things. One, I think Ange and this coaching staff have shown that they can cope with losing one player you know look at McGregor losing out granted we might have done slightly better but I don't think if we had McGregor we would have qualified for the Champions League for example or you know I don't think any results would have been significantly different but two I think if you are aware of it and you're aware of it in advance and you're getting you know a really you're getting a premium for the players Mm. you know if you sell a player for 20 million if you invest seven or eight million of that back that's that's good that's positive so that's the two things for me. So I think it's not that I don't love these players because I do. If Jota was away tomorrow, I'd, I'd genuinely be gutted. The manager would only be comfortable with that though, losing top quality players if he knows that he'll be given the option to bring in players of a similar calibre or yeah. potential similar calibre. That, that's my worry. That's my worry that, you know, I'm, I'm all for going down this road of agile and aggressive and all that. But if we sell our top, top players for top, top dollar and we bring in players who just aren't Uh, I I understand that not every single transfer is going to work out I completely get that, that's fine But There's a risk involved in it But I think as a overall model That's a better way to look at it Than hanging on to guys who don't want to be here eventually Then you're in a position where you're scrambling around To try and do something about it I mean you can't You really can't There's no player that Celtic have signed that well, that's a lie. I was going to say that they've signed and you've known that they're going to be a great signing. You know, there are players of certain calibre that were brought in that have been like that. But everybody's a risk to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. So you are just going to have to roll the dice on it a bit. But I think it is better than... You can't be in the position we were in at the start of last season again. Put it that way. And I think the way that the club was running itself at, at that point, you know, lended itself to that disaster. I think this would be a far, far more mature way to run the club. Just on that point, and not to end it in a kind of slight negative, but that's my worry overall, that this complete shambles that we were, we went and get a really good manager, and within 12 to 18 months, the good feeling of 2017 is almost just back again. That, to me, is as much as that's a positive and that's a real success story, I think people on the board, people on the board, just think, I don't worry if we, can, if, if we run the club into the ground or we end up in a bad situation, we're just going to get a good manager again. If you'd went and get some nugget last year that completely fucked it over, then God knows where you would be. And I think that's to have a kind of slight structure in place that maybe that doesn't happen would be a positive. But we're in uh, we're in dreamland talking about things like that again. Yeah, you're on the plums. Well, that's the thing. Like, um, so obviously they talked about you know. When the, the, we had that terrible season, they tried to get, I don't know, the phrase gaslighting was used, but telling us everything wasn't as bad as we thought and all this. And then at the AGM, they started talking about how Ange has restabilised Celtic. Appointment of Ange was the start of restabilising the club, and that was needed before we restructured the rest of the club. It's kind of like, well, 
he told us everything was fine and it was just unlucky and it wasn't wasn't as bad as we all said. And okay. now they're saying about fucking restabilising. His, his temperature's getting up again. Like, everything's good now. Save it for a podcast with Christian. Get, get, him, get him the DVD from last year. Go and sit and watch that. Uh, I just want Calm yourself I, down. Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm getting a bit raging, I'll be honest. I'm just looking through the, some of these comments. But um, they, they, they did mention the season ticket exchanging scheme. The board are now asked about their opinion on adopting a, a ticket um, exchange scheme. That's something that genuinely should be involved just now. Uh, they said they're looking, actively looking at something, so right. I guess take that as a positive. Just punch your ticket for 100 quid to whoever that's, or more potentially. Yes. Save that. So I'm baiting again. It's not even very good. Yeah, finger thing means the taxes. Uh, the final call. Uh, the final point on the AGM um, is the question on anti-social, the anti-social element within the support. So someone asked a question about the anti-social element within our support, and they talk about the drum of the Green Brigade going on. Why does it have to be so loud? It's a, um, it's a drum, mate. <laughs> don't know what they expect from a done a drum. Uh, uh, there's a constant stream of IRA songs. I come here to support Celtic, not another organisation. You not only tolerate them, but you cater to them. Why did you move these guys to the southwest? Um, and then cater allowed. To them. I yeah. need to go down to one 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 see what the, the the food options are. For exactly. Us. Have you seen the state of the scran at Celtic Park? If somebody's getting catered for, <laughs> did they sell potato crisps around at section one one one? Why do you cater to these fans when they cost us a fortune and fines from UEFA? A loud applause breaks out as he finishes, um, and then Nicholson basically says it's not unique to Celtic. Blah blah blah. I just pass. I just don't understand. I genuinely don't understand why he's... what some people get from. Well, I'd forgot there was an AGM, and I, I suggest that next year you do too. Did you not get your big dividend through? You're not checking your account this week, mate. <laughs> uh, listen, I thought, I thought we all got that. That was uh, that was uh, that was great, great recording. Um, the game against uh, Ross County, as we say, the weekend uh, we'll have that covered. Three PM um, Celtic part time. Beautiful. Uh, hopefully, you get to see it in uh, in Munich. Four PM. Munich time. Munich time. <laughs> well, I hope so. If somebody knows somewhere that will stick the game on, uh, send a message because it would be quite helpful to not watch it on a laptop. In the pub, though? Like oh, aye, aye. But I'd like to be... Um, I'd, I don't want to take a laptop, basically, because I will lose it. Yeah, I'd be as well thrown it straight in a fucking bin after watching the game, to be honest, because I will leave it. Uh, we've got plenty of stuff coming up uh, on uh, the weekly feed. Um, we might not be recording podcasts uh, covering news and stuff, but we'll have features and stuff that you can uh, listen to, and it'll give you a little insight into what we're producing at thecynic.co. Uh, check out thecynic.co because there's um, the option to subscribe, but there's lots of free content features and stuff as well, so check all that out. Christopher Samani! It's been a pleasure, sir. Enjoyed that. Thank you, Christopher. Um, see you down the road. Oh, nice. Good. Yeah, I, I encourage that. Uh, Alan Edgar, pleasure. Thanks enjoy, for having enjoy me. Germany. Thank you. Take care. <laughs> short and sharp. Short and sharp. There. Yeah. Thank you. Take enjoy, care. enjoy Germany, mate. Thanks. Outstanding. Uh, thank you. Thank you. From Chris Armani, from Alan Edgar, from myself, Chris Gallagher, this has been The Cynic Weekly, and we'll speak to you down the road. <laughs> <laughs>